hour. Yeah. He's eating. That's interesting. Interesting. Well, first of all, listen, uh, it's interesting about all these young guys today. They never call on us and say, hey, thanks for the kind word and telling me how great a player I am. But when they play like crap and we call them out, they, we don't know what we're talking about. Listen, I'm easy to find. I've always said he's a hell of a player. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be one of the greatest ever. If he can stay healthy, the jury, the verdict's still out on that. Uh, but I get sick of these guys complaining. Uh, these young guys, they never call us and say, when I bragged about him and Ben Simmons a few years ago, said they're going to be the future of the NBA, he didn't call me, hey, Charles, thanks for the kind words. But listen, I'm going to criticize guys that they deserve it. And listen, they can kiss my ass if they don't like it. <laughs>
Um, we're going to get into it tonight. We got a lot to go get into. Um, so buckle y'all seatbelts. Milwaukee Bucks are one game from going to the NBA Finals. I have a question. Well, I have a statement and then a question. The statement's first. It's about time. My question is, where was this in game four? <laughs> where was this? Where was this energy from? I, I know Bobby Portis, you know, was virtually non-existent in that series against Brooklyn, but Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, where was this aggressiveness in game four? Because mind you, Trey Young did not play in game four. And the biggest issue, and, and, and I'm going to be careful when we watch my language, they, 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 they're, 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 they're too nice. The Milwaukee Bucks are, are like, are like nice guys. Then you know, when you, when you, stay with me here. When, when you when you meet a girl, you know, as a nice guy, you know, you treat her right, and different things like that. What I'm saying is, is that the Milwaukee Bucks are too nice. Drew Holiday is an all-star point guard. Now I'm not going to play the clip because I got a copyright claim from Turner Sports in episode eight for playing the uh, pick and roll clip. So I'm not going to play it, but it was an interview. I'll leave it in the description for y'all to see. But he talked about how he needed to be more aggressive. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. You're an all-star talent. You're getting paid $160 million and your family, because he has two brothers in the league, family mind that he needs to be aggressive. So because Giannis is out, now you show the aggressiveness. See, that's what see that's what hurts. See, that's what bothers me about again. I think a lot of this comes down to leadership and coaching. Like Mike Boonhoser, I this is what I'm this is what we're talking about. Being aggressiveness, being aggressive and just Knowing, like, okay, Drew Holiday, you know, took twenty shots. He was nine of nine of nine of twenty from the field. Chris Middleton had a decent game, but the, the point was to put your foot on their necks. Like to beat Atlanta, you have to come out swinging early. Like we can't we can't be lollygagging because look what happened in game four when Giannis went down. I believe they had it, they had cut it. No, that was the Clippers. They had it. They were down like, I think it was like in the third quarter when they get, well, I knew the game was over, but like they, they, like they just play like a, they just play scared. And like big contributions, like from Brooke Lopez, he finally played like a seven footer. Um, because, you know, most of the time he's standing out there in the three. Uh, Bobby Portis, I mean, like, 
I think the last three got the last four bucks to do that. If I remember the stat correctly, it's Sidney Moncrief, Terry Cummings, Jack Sigma. Oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. I want to say his name was Phil something. Hold on. Let's let's Google that. Because I cannot remember the guy's name. Because the last um Oh, I'm going to now. Nah, I'm really going to be bothered by that because <laughs> I really can't think of the fourth guy. But there were four guys: Milwaukee Bucks, Moncrief, Cummings, Jack Sigmon. I cannot remember the other guy's name. Um, I believe the Bucks will win Game Six, uh, but I like what Mike, um, not Mike, Nick McMillan said: we need to win this game, but we need to win two games. You know, we have to play like this is our last season. Like it's our last game of the year. And, you know, they're going to come out ready. You know, I, I felt like, you know, it's like looking at, you know, a, a, like Muhammad Ali, you know, wearing, you know, wearing his opponent down. Like the, the Hawks had, I mean, the Hawks kind of made a comeback there, but like, Bondanovich, I feel like he had a good game. It's kind of slowly coming back. But like Gallinari, you know, can't have that. You know, John Collins can't have that. Lou Williams can't have that. So I mean the Bucks know what they have to do to win game six. And I think the biggest thing is be aggressive and and that same momentum you took, you you took from this game. I think with Giannis out, I personally believe that this has changed the the the, the flow of the game for the Bucks. And I think with Bobby Portis out there, the floor opens more for a guy like Brooke Lopez because Bobby Portis can shoot. But a lot of Brooke Lopez's points, remember y'all, come off pick and roll. I believe he had six dunks, and they came off pick and roll. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, again, just the little things the, the Bucks need to do to remind you know, to just play smart and be aggressive. Now, here's the thing: you do not want to screw around through the Milwaukee Bucks because you got the Phoenix Suns, who we'll get into in a little bit. They're mentally and physically resting, and they're prepared. You don't want to go into Game 7 with these Hawks mentally, physically tired. You do not want that. You want to end this series now if you are the Bucks. Now, I think Trey Young... May play game six. 
just because I think his name McMillan will pull a triumph card. I have a feeling he will he will try to play in game six. However, that's where I'm looking at Lou Williams, who, who really is their only ball handler. I would think it would be Chris Dunn or Cam Reddish, but see the here nor there. Um, he had six turnovers, and he's not a he's not your tra- traditional point guard. Let me say that. So, you know, combined again, Holiday and Middleton, 51 points. And the biggest thing, I just want to know, where was this game for? The Milwaukee Bucks, they have the formula to win. They have the formula. It's all comes to leadership, being aggressive, and coming out with a swagger. And that's what the Bucks got to do. The Bucks, remember, y'all, they stole game two when Chris Middleton outscored Atlanta. He scored 20 points on his own. So the Bucs are capable of winning in, in, in that arena. I know the ATL the is going to be jumping. I know everyone's going to be there. But but this is where this is where it counts. This is where Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Porters, they got to come up with that same swagger. You, 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 listen, your two stars, Young and Giannis, aren't there. This is an opportunity for someone to step up. This is where Holiday, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, all got to play. Y'all got to play. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. I think they'll win Game Six. I think they'll be in the NBA Finals. So, it was a great game. Um, I just, I just, I just want to know where it was in Game Four. Because this series should have been over in five. But let me give credit again. Let me give credit to the Atlanta Hawks. Nobody, just like last year in the bubble with the Denver Nuggets and the Clippers, no one had, I didn't have, have them getting this far. And they have been playing their ass off. They deserve their respect. They got my respect. I want to go to Wing City, Magic City one day. I would like to go to Magic City. And I'd like to go see a Falcon and Braves game and Hawks. And Atlanta Dream. Well, I would go to Atlanta Dream, but they cut my girl Kalani Brown. No disrespect to Atlanta Dream, but I, I'm not I'm not letting that go. That, that, that's a whole other topic. I'm not letting that go. That's a whole other topic for another day. So we're going to transition <laughs> to the Phoenix Suns. Um, congratulations. First in other uh, 10 years since they were in the playoffs. 28 years later, they're going back to the finals. 1993, that's when Chuck, Chuck Barkley, Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson, and them faced uh, Michael Jordan. Um, Unfortunately, the Bulls won in six. So was it, was it six? Let me make sure my, my facts correct. Yes, it was in six. So, very proud. I'm happy for Chris Paul. This is his first NBA appearance, 16 years. Um, Chris, let me say this to you, sir. It's about damn time. You earned it. You worked your ass off. You've led this Clipper team. This the Clipper team. To you led this this Suns team. Um, 
you 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 were definitely the missing piece to the puzzle. Um, you know, Chris Paul is one of was kind of like Wake Forest, one of my favorite point guards. Uh, Chris Paul just has a swagger about him that I respect. I respect his his, his dedication to the game. He never he never cheats you out of it, and he left it all out there on the floor against the Clippers. I, I mean, you know. Devin Booker, too, I got to give, you know, Devin Booker was one of my favorite players going to Kentucky. I felt that everyone was talking about he needs to get up out of Phoenix, you know, all of this, you know, go go to a real NBA team, you know, let's let's try to let's try to get him on a, you know, and, and he stuck with this team through thick and thin. Um, Monty Williams, uh, you know, <laughs> you, I remember you were, you, when you were coaching the Hornets and, you know, then they became the Pelicans and, you know, you know, you had Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans, and those boys, and 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 Dell Demps. I'm I'm gonna say this for the record, Dell Demps. You know, fired got got Monty Williams fired. I think Dell Demps should have been fired before Monty Williams, but Dell Demps is one of those analytic guys. Um, and you know, unfortunately, Monty had an injury plague team. I know Ryan Anderson was hurt. Davis, Evans, Eric Gordon. There's a lot of inconsistencies with that team. Uh, I felt bad that the, the when he did get to the playoffs, he had to go up against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. So I'm really proud of Coach Monty Williams. He's one of my favorite coaches. Um, you know, the, the future is bright for Phoenix. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I can't, you know, I, you know, I have to give the Los Angeles Clippers credit. Listen, you know, keep your heads up. Um, you know, you made your first Western Conference final appearance in over 50 years. Um, you know, last year I felt like this was it, you know, but when you know, blowing a 3 1 lead at Denver, that 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 stung, that hurt. Um, you know, even though Kawhi was not there, Paul George, man, you know, Paul George is definitely a star. Uh, he deserves his flowers, but I want y'all to understand this. We are always going to criticize. Guys are always going to get criticized. Stars get criticized no matter what. You know, that's the whole point of what being a great player is. You're going to get all the praise, all the glory, all the blame. Charles Barkley, great player, didn't win a championship. Carl Malone. John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Bird, Magic. And it's not within basketball, football, baseball, documented. Guys are always going to be held to a certain standard. That's why I didn't understand with the you know the Marcus Cousins and and um, Marcus Moore Sr. coming out with these comments talking about, you know, we got to stop the disrespect. I don't want to hear that bull crap. I don't. We give we listen again and and and, I'll, and you saw my intro. It's I, I I give credit where it's due. Now I will say this: the Phoenix Suns, not the Phoenix, the Los Angeles Clippers did not come out with a swagger at all. Um, Paul George. One of six from three. 
know, Marcus Morris had 26. Marcus Morris, who, you know, he was one of the, the, the deciding factors. Uh, I think he was one of the key reasons to me to take to win that game. Uh, Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum, Kennard. I mean, and Reggie Jackson, Pat Beverly. We'll get into Patrick Beverly in a minute. Um, I just think the Phoenix Suns wanted it more. And on top of that, you know, you're at home. It's just something about when you're at home, don't don't go out like that. And, you know, the last few minutes, it was the Chris Paul show. I mean, disappointed in the Clippers, the way they went out like that. Um, and, and, you know, people will say, well, what if Kawhi was there? I mean, I think this series would have been different. But I will say this, the Clippers, the Clippers' future is in the hands of Kawhi. Because Kawhi, this offseason, this off can become a can, – can decline his player option. He can become a free agent. So I think a lot of what um, Kawhi is – I think what the Clippers want to do going forward, it all rests on Kawhi. So um, I'm looking at it personally this year. I definitely will say, I'm saying it's Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson's going to get a payday. Um, Marcus Morris may get a payday. If you are DeMarcus Cousins and Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly, let me say this. I'm, I'm going to play the clip for you all to see. Um, I, 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 know the, I know the kind of guy that Patrick Beverly is. Patrick Beverly, he's a. He, Patrick Beverly is a rough rider. You know, he, he, you know, he plays hard, you know, plays with heart, you know, his story, where he's come from, and, you know, is really, is really touching. I respect him. I would, I, I would want a guy like Patrick Beverly on my team any day, but this, 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 this shove, and we've all seen it. Uh, was very, very that, – that's not, that's not, to me, Patrick Beverly-like. And I, I personally believe uh, Chris Paul broke them. I believe so. And, and on top of that, it does not make it better if you are DeMarcus and Patrick Beverly and you are chirping. at Chris Paul, who got the last laugh. So we're going to look at the clip. I might get copyrighted for this, but that's okay. Eight to shoot for Chris Paul. We meet the sound. So that was a good shot right there. That's when I knew the game was over, honestly. So obviously, I, I, I believe Chris Paul's feeling himself, and I believe he said something. Because again, and also too, you gotta understand this about Chris Paul. Chris Paul will get in your head, and he's one of those guys. He will say, you know, slick things. He will showboat. Chris Paul's one of those. I'm. He's gonna get in your face. He's gonna find a way to get in your ear, and you gotta find learn how to tune it out. And I think emotions got the best of Patrick Beverly. I think the pussy like 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 this right here. I'm not a fan of this taunting stuff. I don't. You know, like, for example, football that was last year, the year before, no, last year in the bubble, where the Titans 
We're on. We're playing the Ravens at home our, here in Baltimore. They were on our logo. John Harbaugh said something. Got got some faces, and that and that shit was uncalled for. There's something about standing on a, on an opponent's logo or taunting that sh- that that that's disrespectful. We got the last laugh when we saw them in a wild card game where Tannehill threw that interception to Marcus Peters, and those guys ran on their logo <laughs> and stopped on it. But it's just something about taunting. Trash talk. I mean, if you got a trash talking fan, that's different. Because I'm all about listen. You're gonna, you're gonna, um, you know, trash talk me as a fan, as a player. You know, you're gonna say things like, you know, oh, you, you know, things that maybe that, that as as a fan, you know, a player will will will, will be bothered by. Because listen, when you, if you're gonna trash talk, back it up. But I just feel like right here, this was this was the best. I think the emotions got to uh, Patrick Beverly. I think Chris Paul sold that. Uh, he acted like he got shot, um, but I definitely think you know he you know again this is remember you know he played here before and unfortunately it couldn't get over the hump. And again, like I said, I think personally, I think he broke them. Now, like like all that right there, that's just Chris Paul just being Chris Paul. So, you know. I I appreciate Patrick Beverly. I'll show the tweet. You know, he owned up to it. But at the end of the day, man, you know, you got to control your emotion. You're, you got to learn how to control your emotions on the court. The same goes with the Marcus Cousins. They were trash talking each other. And again, like I said, Chris Paul got the last laugh. So we're going to look at the tweet from Patrick Beverly. And this is what I'm talking about. I, I really wish that, I mean, it's like on the surface, this is a, this is great. But at the end of the day, contact him behind the scenes. Because I feel like, I mean, you, you, we can all sit there and go, well, he did say something too, but contact him behind the scenes. I'm pretty sure y'all got each other's phone numbers, y'all texts or whatnot. So, and I think, you know, again, Patrick Beverly, Great basketball player. I want him. On my, I would want him. On my, want, would want him on my team any day. I just think last night it got the best of him, and unfortunately, you know, he 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 owned up to it. He apologized. Even though I like to see it behind the scenes. So, though for the loss, if you're the, the if you're the Los Angeles Clippers, your future is bright. But I think again, your future is in the hands of Kawhi Leonard. I know Kawhi Leonard has came out and publicly said that, you know, he's not feeling the training staff. Uh, I don't know what more you can do if you are, you know, the the, the training staff. I just feel like maybe the injury wasn't as severe as what we thought it was. Maybe he felt like he could play. Maybe it was another misdiagnosis. I don't know. But – Again, congratulations, congratulations to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I'm a believer. I had I said it was going to be the Clippers and Bucks, and now it's going to be the Suns and the Bucks. So I guarantee it. I wish I had the button that Charles Barkley has on inside the NBA and guaranteeing it. <laughs> so 
We're going to transition transition into a little WNBA tonight. Um, no game for the Mystics because it's now the Olympics. We're getting ready for the Olympic break. Um, I do want to wish all the girls nothing but the best as they prepare to go over to Tokyo. I know they're going to kick some. I know they're going to do their thing. I'm happy for Ariel. I'm happy for Tina. I'm happy for all the team, all the women that made Team USA. Even though I would have liked NECA Agumake to be there, and I like even Candace Parker. Uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, we can't, you know, uh, keep revisiting it. It is what it is. So, um, you know, most important thing is go out there and just represent your, you know, where you're from, family. Everybody's watching. So, um, for the Mystics, Mystics made a couple moves. Uh, we we signed Megan Gustafsson, and in return, we signed Shatori Walker Kimbrell, former sixth overall pick by Mike Tabol. And uh, we're going to watch his media availability. They signed seven day contracts with the Mystics. Um, Megan was a uh, a hardship, which was basically due to injury. So, um, and uh, again, Kiara Leslie and Stella Johnson, they were cut, which really which really pissed me off because I liked both of them and both of them played really well in the bubble. But we're gonna get into it. So let's listen to Mike, Coach T, his 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 signings. Right now, they're on a seven-day. At the end of these seven days, we'll decide whether to give them another one, and that would take us into the break and come on out of the break on the other side. Uh, you can do a seven-day uh, three times for a particular player. Um, we may make a decision, you know, coming out of the Olympic break that somebody is worth signing for the rest of the year, or we may need to get somebody else. It'll see. We'll see where the health of our team is, you know, uh, come the first week or so of August. I think that will have a lot to do with what we do going forward. Uh, some of it will have to do with Emma's decision too, yep. um, because if she is going to play for us, uh, we're going to have to make a roster decision in here somewhere. And so, you know, that, that all of those things will factor into it. Um, I, you know, I mean, this year, you, there's really nothing much to see. She played in one game uh, last year in Phoenix um, for shooting percentages uh, things that, you know, she had been working on here started to get better. She was becoming more consistent uh, from the three-point line. Uh, we've always loved her athleticism and quickness. She's aggressive. Uh, and, you know, the way we're playing and the kind of guards we're playing against, uh, we felt that, you know, somebody who had her kind of uh, elite speed and quickness would be really beneficial to our team. Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, uh, having played three games already with us, um, she, you know, had spent that time learning our system. Uh, she's acquitted herself uh, in the minutes she's played. I mean, her efficiency uh, in the time that she's played has been good. I mean, she's shooting 60-something percent or whatever from the floor. Uh, she's getting a rebound about every two and a half, three minutes, which is a unbelievably good average. Um, you know, her rebounding, um, the fact that, you know, she's smart and picks up things. And, and again, like, I don't, I don't have an issue with the signings. Honestly, I don't, uh, I'm just not a fan of the contracts personally. 
Um, I understand that, you know, we give guys 10 days, uh, we minor league contracts. I understand that. But, you know, as talented as they are, again, Shatoria was number one over, was a six overall pick out of Maryland. Makes no sense that she shouldn't be on a seven day contract. I mean, if we just if, we, if that's all if that's all we're going to see going forward, like rape, like Rachel Ban, uh, Bantam, like I know the Minnesota Lynx want to Reese want to sign her back, but because of cap space and other things, that really lets me know that there needs to be some type of I, like I have questions. So like, are we saying like? Like we're not, there's not enough money to pay the players. Like we are like, like the CBA, like something like to me, like I just feel like there's just unanswered questions that I need answers with. Like Shatori knows that knows his system. And again, she won a championship with us. So I feel like she'll pick it up real easily. Again, I'm looking at Megan, great player, but it's going to take some time for a player like her to really, I mean, he said it took three games, but it's going to take you more than three games to adjust to a system people. You know, you can't, you're not going to learn a playbook like that. So, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with the signings. Um, you know, it just, again, it just sucks that, you know, Kiara and, and Stella aren't on the team. Uh, it just, Yeah, I just I really feel like you know they need to be they need to be on a roster. They need that they need to be on a roster. So and on top of that, uh, Tina Tina Charles was player of the month. Um, <laughs> at this point, I think we just need to give her the MVP trophy. In my in my opinion, as the girl has just been killing it. You know, twenty four points a game, nine set nine rebounds, and two assists. I mean. My lord, um, but in the, I know that's that's the Sagittarius in us. So, <laughs> so congratulations to Tina. Congratulations to Ariel, and you know, welcome back, Shatori. Welcome back, Megan. You know, it was only a few days, so I'm feeling quite optimistic. Going for short, the biggest thing too, when everyone comes back healthy, Emma, her decision, what she wants to do, that. Those are the kind of things we need to be like as Mystic fans, like really paying attention to. Like when Emma comes back, because it's really when she comes back, somebody may have to go, or you know, he may not need everybody. So I'm I'm really going to pay close attention to that. So I'm not going to really do a major league review. We'll do just more of like the Orioles review, and I'll probably touch. I don't know really what to say about the Baltimore Orioles. Um, first, let me say this. I feel bad for Brandon Hyde um, simply because simply he really has no help. When I mean help, he doesn't really have a, a roster to compete, the help to compete with. Um, 
I think what you're seeing is disgusting. Um, it makes you want to throw up. Uh, I'm not going to lie. A, a lot of these games I've had to turn off. Now, I will say this. Last night, we got our payback against the Houston Astros because when they came up here in Baltimore and they stomped on us, particularly when they put 13 home runs, when they scored 13 runs, we came back and put 13 on them on the, what was that, Tuesday night? Look at my calendar real quick. That was Thursday night. Five unanswered runs. Wednesday night. Came out Thursday. Hold on. Wednesday, five runs in the ninth inning. Thursday, 13 runs. And then, shoot. Hold on. No, Monday. I'm right. Okay, I'm tripping. Excuse me. Monday, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we got our revenge. We swept Houston Astros. I feel like that was a big way to get the, to, 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 to get some momentum going into the month of July. And I know we're playing Anaheim. And the last time I checked up until we started, Shohei Otani and the Anaheim Angels are kill, are killing us. So I know the score right now is tied 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, Otani hit two home runs on us. I just looked. Um, you know, again, we got to come out. We got to be aggressive. The biggest, I'll, I'll just say, if we just get one from each series, that's okay. We got eight more days left. Until the All-Star break. Once you come back from the All-Star break, this is a great time to just evaluate, you know, take a deep breath. Everyone gets, you know, we get our eggs in the basket because, you know, Hunter Harvey's out. Travis Larkins is out. Valdez is out. Zimmerman's out. Freddie Galvez is out. I mean, we even caught up Spencer Watkins. Congratulations. He made it, he got his first call up. Um, but this team it's got to be something. Something's got to give. Um, because I cannot see this team again losing another 100 games. I can't see it. I mean, that 27 and 54, I mean, the way they're playing, they're going to lose 110 games. And I mean, they've been at the bottom. Like they, 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 like we. It hasn't really gotten better. And the biggest thing, if I'm Michael Elias, I have no help from the pitching. I mean, besides Mancini, Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins. I mean, you don't really have. You really don't have anything else. I, I mean. Anthony Santander, I mean, like, definitely, definitely struggle. So, I don't know. I really don't know what I really don't know what this season is going to look like. 
after this year. I would like Brandon Hyde to be here. I think he's a great manager. I think he's a great coach. I think he's definitely learned a lot during his time in Chicago under Joe Madden. But I, I feel like until until you know this ownership, new ownership, and I think that there's better leadership. I'm not saying Michael Elias is not a good leader, but I'm saying guys that want to bring foot baseball back to Baltimore. It starts with an owner who cares about that. Peter Angelos needs to sell the team. This team has not – listen, the last time I taste success was 2014. Well, you could say 2013, 2012. But when they lost to the Royals in, in the conference championship, I cried. I thought they'd come out the same the next year. Only won 85 games. Then Aaron Carnacion puts the knife, puts the dagger in the heart. Like this team has not won a championship since 1983. We need baseball back in Baltimore. Not saying these guys are, are not talented, but it's time we need. At some point, we can't. We just can't be a, a laughing stock. I like that this team. I feel like is definitely building from the from the ground up. And Mike Elias has done a great job of that. But I feel like until Peter Angelos is, is gone as owner, I just feel like this is it. I just feel like this is it. And, you know, I know, I believe, I believe his son, I can't remember which one it is. I want to say it's John. That's like the CEO because he the, had, to, they had to make up their mind uh, about who was going to be, he was going to sell the team, you know, he's going to pass the team down. And on top of that, he has to pay mass and a certain amount of money. So as of 2020, you have a 500 winning percentage. Um, but according to this stat from 1901 to the end of 2020, our overall record is 8,793 and 97 9,763, that's a 47 winning percentage. Since moving to Baltimore in 1954, our win-loss record is 5,331, 502, 209 losses. That's a 500 winning percentage as the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, my God. And they're playing like, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to be the Pirates in the Diamondbacks and, and the Orioles, top three. So, um, like, I love I love my team. I I, re I really do. Like. I'm tired of seeing Baltimore at the bottom of the cesspool. Like <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks, like they've already like they're the first team to lose 60 games. Like they're 23 and 60. Like the Pirates and the Orioles are better teams than the than the Diamondbacks. 
the mo- like like it like it's so just like this is how you know like we stink as a team when you when the when the Miami Marlins are eight games out of first place. No disrespect to the Marlins. Like the Kansas City Royals, like they're in rebuilding mode. The Rangers, I don't know what that's all about. I know Joey Gallo may be gone, in my opinion. The Rockies, we knew what the Rockies were going to be once they traded Nolan Arenado. And Trevor Story's next. But I would say this. I believe Vladimir Guerrero and Shohei Otani have taken me by surprise. Uh, I, I I wish they were both my MVPs, but I'm going to give the edge to Vlad. Um, Shohei Otani, I've never seen anything like that from a two-way player. He's pitching the ball, but he's hitting the ball. I knew he was going to be a good talent when he came into in, from Japan to here. Uh, I just I wish I, I wish you know Vladimir Guerrero I, like he just he reminds me of his dad. You know, when he was in, I don't count Baltimore because he was not the same Vladimir Guerrero, but when he was in Texas, Anaheim, Montreal before they became the Nationals, like he just reminds me of his dad. And, you know, Shohei Otani, you know, I just think it's just a great, a great pit. It's just, he's just playing, they're just playing their ass off. And, you know, I, Jacob DeGrom, we're seeing something that has never been historically done. Even though he gave up a, a home run, but he came back out there and he struck out 14. It's just it's amazing uh, to see the type of you know year that's that's been going on from these guys. Um, so the All Star game will be at Coors Field. It was supposed to be in Atlanta, but due to a couple things that included. Uh, the support of voter restriction and other things like that, it was moved to Colorado. I know the Field of Dreams was supposed to happen last year, but because of COVID, that got canceled. Um, I think there's a Little League Classic I know it's like the last week in August. I think it's the, I want to say it's the Indians versus the Angels. If I'm saying that right. Um, I just want to get touch, get into the, the pitching controversy um, for the, for, for the foreign substance check. It's kind of funny that You know, I feel bad for the pitchers. You know, on the 15th, it was last month in June, Major League Baseball announced a 10-game suspension. Any player that was caught basically using any forms of any substance on baseballs. And, you know, um, and it's just been a lot of mixed emotions. I feel like a lot of this is due to the fact that you're seeing a, a historical year where offensively guys are not hitting the ball well. And 
the stat, if I'm saying this correctly, I want to say it was like it was below 240. And I want to say that was the lowest since 1969, 1968. So the biggest issue that you have is, see, it's a double-edged sword. Like, On one hand, you have the pitchers, right? That are using like spider tag and, and different things like that. But on the other hand, you have guys, the, the offensive guys, like, uh, for example, JT Riamuto or uh, Tommy Pham using pine tar or an illegal substance. Everyone's going to find someone uh, uh, to try to get an advantage in the game. But regardless of Who's doing what? They're both in the wrong. I, I've told you guys, I, I just think that the use of any substance, it, it tarnishes the game, and I think it takes it away competitive edge. That's why I'm a firm believer in, you know, Major League Baseball. Uh, it it needs, to re- needs to just reevaluate itself. I need to know what these situations would like. How are you going to draw fans Back into these into these ballparks because you know one year it's about it's about the, the about the home runs next year it's about the pitching where, where, like what are you marketing and it's kind of like now with this this is a black eye for the lead and you know fortunately our first our first pitcher Hector Santiago who's been in the league since 2011 not for the Seattle Mariners was caught and. Apparently there was a sub four substance in his glove, and he can use right the the, the roast the rising bag, which you can do, but apparently he has to have a foreign substance. Don't know what it was. So, um, and then you had the Max Searcher incident where I played that um, Austin. Voth got his nose broken by Vince Velasquez. Dave Martinez went off on him. You know, Glass not admitted using sunscreen. And he's out for the year because I think he did something in the shoulder. Uh, it just, it, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it's, Major League Baseball's got to do better. It's got to do better. But my next topic, though, and, and let me be careful with this one. Shakari Richardson, American track star, saw that race, um, made a poor choice. She tested positive for using marijuana. Now, everybody has been coming out and saying that there's, you know, uh, systemic race, systemic racism. Um, the, the, the rule is BS. Uh, 
you know, we, I, we're even to the point where we're comparing this to Michael Phelps situation. And I, I think the, the biggest thing I think people are not getting is, is that, and, and I understand the whole thing, you know, I'm going to play the clip, but I understand her mom just passed away before she ran that event. You know, again, my, con, my condolences, me just says my condolences, thoughts and prayers to her, her and her family. But there is a better way to, and, 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 and I understand, do not misconstrue what I'm saying, people deal with trauma differently. But if that was me, and I said, well, I resorted to this because I was going through an emotional time, both my parents would have slapped the hell out of me. When do we just, I, I, I applaud the fact that she took responsibility and is learning from her mistake. We have to hold her accountable to it. But the fact that everybody is, let her run, let her do this, let her do that, and not thinking about, wow, this could have potentially cost her an endorsement. Let me say this about Michael Phelps. The, to compare the two of them is comparing apples and oranges because people are trying to pull the race card with that. Understand this. Michael Phelps was suspended for three months and lost an endorsement deal because he was endorsed with Kellogg. He was suspended months before the Olympics. She tested positive weeks before going to Tokyo. That's a big difference. And the fact that everyone is, what I've seen on Twitter and all the articles I've read, everyone's kind of just, it just seems to just gloss over that. But because it's an issue because we're bringing up weed and now it's illegal in practically all 50 states. Um, it's illegal internationally with the Olympics. It's illegal in the NFL, NBA, baseball too. It's illegal. I, I mean, I, I read the rule book. I mean, I think I, I've, I've talked numerous times about Josh Gordon, wide receiver in the NFL, who clearly has a drug problem. And now is wants to get reinstated back into the NFL. But every time he goes back into the NFL, he fails drug tests. I will want to say his name was Josh, I want to say his name was Josh Harris for the Toronto Raptors. Just got banned from the NBA for a year because drugs. OJ Mayo banned from the league because of drug use. Weed. Like Let me just play the clip. Uh, my sponsorship and haters, I greatly apologize if I let you guys down, and I did. And I just want to let y'all know this will be the last time the Olympics don't cheat Shakira Richardson, and this will be the last time the U.S. Um, doesn't come home with a gold medal in a U.S. track sensation Shakari Richardson is apologizing. According to the United States Anti-Doping Agency, the 21-year-old track and field sprinter tested positive for marijuana following her Olympic qualifying 100-meter race. I kind of wanted to see her. Hold on, y'all. I kind of wanted to see her talk because they had an interview with her. And I kind of liked that better. I didn't want to expect entertainment tonight. 
Okay, here we go. This is better. Thank you. A simple question first. How are you doing? Um, I'm blessed to be alive. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> this is not easy. This is a hard moment that you're in right now. And I, I thank you for being on. And I know you wanted to tell your story. So tell me, you know, what happened? What led up to this positive test? Um, just honestly, boy, just I want to take responsibility for my actions. I know what I did. I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, no, I'm not. I'm I'm allowed not to do, and I still made that decision. But um, not making an excuse or looking for any empathy in my case. But just, however, being in that position of my life. Finding out something like that, something that I would say is probably one of the biggest things that have impacted me positively and negatively in my life when it comes to dealing with the relationship I have with my mother. So that definitely was a very heavy topic on me. And people don't understand what it's like to have to. Our people do. We all have our different struggles. We all have our different things we deal with. But to put on a face, to have to go in front of the world and put on a face and hide my pain. Um, like, who? I don't know. Who are you? Or who am I to tell you how to cope when you're dealing with a pain or you're dealing with a struggle that you've never experienced before or that you've never thought you would have to deal with? Like, who am I to tell you how to cope? Who am I to tell you that you're wrong for hurting? So I think just honestly, just leading up to that, dealing with my mental health, dealing my, with my mental as is, with leading up to the games, um, every time stepping on the track, definitely expected to be um, a record-breaking time or something like that. So just with that, um, pressure in itself was also just another thing with this actually been my first full professional career, my first full professional um, circuit this year due to, you know, the pandemic. So just considering all of that, all of that put together long, long time, my, my agent, my sponsor, my, my sponsorship, my family, uh, knowing me dealing with all of this going on. So, um, Shakari, I, I just want people to understand. Okay, so I, I'm going to leave the, the rest of that in the description for y'all to see. But I'm proud of the fact that she took accountability for her actions. But at the end of the day, you, you, we have to understand the choices you make. We have to think about the consequences. Like, think about potential sponsors she could have gotten. Now that she's in the that at the Olympics, she now could potentially not be at, in Tokyo. But I just feel like people are trying to go, well, it's just it's just weed. What's the what's the problem? It's illegal. Like, and for again, for people to compare this situation, like with Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps never tested positive for TCH. But at, at, it, 
you guys are missing. Everyone just is missing the point. She made a poor choice, and she now has to just accept the consequences of her choice. She cannot. She potentially was going to miss miss the race. And again, I understand with her mom passing away, everybody copes with death or something that's happened in their lives differently. I understand that. But there are better and smarter choices. I use an example. If my parents, one of my mom or dad tomorrow, die, well, I'm going to resort to weed. This whole pandemic, I could have done something dumber. But I, but I, as a human, I have to find resources, counseling, going to a church. I know church ain't for everybody. Talking to friends. Some may stab you in the back. Family. Some family you don't trust, you don't talk to. There are better ways of coping. I really hope that those that are in her inner circle, her supporting cats, rally around her and get the help she needs. Look at Naomi Oscar. Naomi Oscar took a step back. She didn't use, this is what's going on. She said mental health. She's taking a break to focus on mental health. Shakari may need to Take a step back and seek counseling. Something because everyone, again, everybody grieves differently. But I think for people to pull the race card and talk about we need to reevaluate this rule, it doesn't matter if it's a PhD. It's an illegal drug that, according to the Olympic Committee, you are not supposed to use. In the same breath, I can't remember the, the person's name, but she's also banned because she apparently ate a burrito that had tainted meat or something like that, according to her. But to compare Michael Phelps and Shakari Richardson is comparing apples and oranges. And unfortunately, at the biggest, let, let's let's just call it what it is at the end of the day. She's owned up to a mistake and let's move on. But then to just continuously hold it over everyone's head it's just weed blah 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 blah. she will come back she'll come back stronger from this but let this be a learning let, let this be a learning lesson let's stop just can we please stop justifying behavior that know that that you know is going to get you in trouble if someone told me if someone told you to go jump off a bridge would you go do it Example, Michael Jordan unfortunately lost his father. Not throwing shade on, Sha- on Shakari. Michael Jordan didn't resort, resort to drugs. Michael Jordan, I'm sure, had his moments. Had, had like, sometimes needed to be alone. Missed those phone type of phone call, phone call conversations. I have personally witnessed family, friends that have dealt with trauma, but they've dealt with it differently. But 
I can say this for a fact. They did not go the route she went. I'm not, I'm not here to bash. I'm not here to bash her. I don't need anyone commenting, talking about, or oh, you, you sound ignorant. My point is, is at the end of the day, she made a poor choice. There are consequences. She will learn. Let's learn. Let's learn and grow from this, and she will come back stronger. At the end of the day, that's it. And there should be no discussion. There should be no arguing, no back and forth. Let's move on from this. Last topic of the night. Scotty Pippen. Um, I have said this numerous times. Um, I, I don't like Scotty Pippen. I don't. Uh, I just think that Scottie Pippen is personally to me, but this recent book, um, you know, I, if y'all remember, I had Elliot Tinsley on, on, on my podcast a couple episodes ago where I say he, he and Mike were probably one of the reasons. And I think he, I think Scottie was probably the main one now, in my opinion, that break up the friendship of Isaiah and Magic. But, uh, Scotty was on the Dan Patrick show and Scotty Pippen had to say a lot about Phil Jackson. So we're going to play that clip and I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, first take clip, my reaction to that. So this is Scotty Pippen. Help on the Dan me Patrick understand show. the GQ article where you talked about the 1994 playoff game when you refused to go back in the game and Phil set up the play for Tony Kukoc. This is, yes, this, and, okay. So this was the play where Scotty got in his feelings, but Danny Patrick said because the play was not designed for him. It was designed for Tony Kukoc. Mind you, this is the same Scotty Pippen. Once Michael left, he got out of, out of his shadow. He couldn't get past the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Twice. He couldn't get the Bulls to the finals. Then when he gets to Houston, Charles Barkley took a pay cut. Hakeem, they're playing alongside Chuck, Hakeem, and Clyde Drexler. You alienate that that team and that franchise. Just saying. Well, I mean, it's not much to be said if you go back and look at when Scottie Pippen entered the Bulls and when Tony Kukoc entered the Bulls and who deserved the last shot of the game. No, no, um, no, I understand that, Scotty. I'm just going by what you said. You said you need to read between the fine lines and then you go on to say it was a racial move to give him, Tony Kukoc, a ride. So, well, I mean, if you knew that Scottie Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, Battle of the Pistons and every other team that we had to get to those three championships. Wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like one year without Michael Jordan, can I get one shot? Like I'm doing all the dirty work. Okay, but have you shown that you've been willing to, that you, have you shown that you were capable of taking the last winning shot? But all of that I understand from the basketball standpoint. But when so. you say a racial move, well, why would why would Tony, who was a rookie, get the last second shot and you put me out of bounds? Maybe Phil Jackson is giving Tony Kukoc confidence and entrusting him, okay, 
we're going to run a play. See, yeah, the, the basketball mind. I remember it was Charles Barkley. He interviewed Greg Popovich. And a question he said was, when did Kawhi become a great player? And Pop responded, oh, when I call Kawhi's number, it's for the it's for the Spurs to score, not for Kawhi to score. You see, when Phil Jackson drew that play up, it's for the Bulls to score, not Scottie Pippen or not Tony Kukoc. You see, this is the issue. It's all about I got to have my numbers. I got to be the man in the moment. Bullshit. That's what I mean, racial. Like that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Phil Pippen then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed? Michael Jordan is not there. So who's next in line for you? But have you talked to Phil about this? Because you, by saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil. A racist. I don't got a problem with that. <laughs> wow. Do you think Phil was or is? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember Phil Jackson left the Lakers, went, wrote a book on Kobe Bryant, and then came back and coached him? I mean, who would do that? You name someone in professional sports that would do that. You know? I well, think he tried to expose Kobe in a way that he shouldn't have. You're the head coach. And you're the guy that sits in the locker room and tells the players, this is a circle and everything stays within the circle because that's what team is about. But you as the head coach, open it up. And now you go out and you try to belittle at that time, probably one of the greatest players in the game. Well, it feels like he's disloyal. I don't know if that makes him a racist. Well, that's your way of putting it out and I have my way. I was in the locker room with him. I was in practices with him. Uh, you're looking for him afar. Yeah, and, and look, that's why I wanted to have you on. But I go back and Phil designed a play for Steve Kurt when Mike mm -hmm. was there. And Mike Mike didn't have a problem Probably with that. I don't, I don't understand. You're not, you're, you're not setting me up to answer the right question. What do you oh, mean? Oh, okay. Phil, set up a play for Steve Kerr. He didn't set that play for Steve Kerr. He set that play for Michael Jordan. I thought in the huddle, Mike says, I'm going to throw you the ball. You'll be open at the, the, the foul line. line. That, it, I, he did say that, Scotty. And you don't want to get this show started because it'll take us a long time. Do you know all those cameras that's sitting in that huddle who they was working for? The NBA. So you know who Michael was speaking to when he said that, right? <laughs> that was That was planned. That was speaking to the to the camera. That wasn't speaking out of what we're gonna have to do, what the play is gonna be. That was speaking to the camera. That's bullshit. Had John had uh, John Stockton not came down, trust me. <laughs> but that was building his own documentary because he knew he was controlling the cameras. <laughs> you understand English? Yeah. Okay. So all those cameras that was working were working basically for Michael Jordan, not for the Chicago Bulls. But they were building the "Come Fly with Me," the Air Jordan videos. That's what it was. It 
that was not naturally spoken. Okay. Right. That was rehearsed. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, me personally, I, I just, something just is not right with Scotty. And I'll leave this in the description for y'all to see. Um, I got a question. Let me ask Robert Horry. If I could ask Kobe, rest in peace. Derek Fisher, Ryan Shaw, Shaq. Michael himself, Luke Longley, Horace Grant, Ron Harper. I'll even say, you know, Dennis Rodman. You mean to tell me that randomly after all these years, oh, Phil Jackson was a racist. Like, I, I really want to know. I don't really know what goes through like to say these those kind of things about a coach. And we knew the type of relationship Phil and Kobe had because this was after you know he, Kobe and Shaq broke up. You know Phil had had his differences with Kobe and vice versa. We are aware of that, but. To be in your feelings because you didn't get the ball in the last seconds of the game, that makes him a racist. So we're going to hear, but I was watching the first tape. Me play the clip because I, I just I just think that that's ridiculous because every other coach would have came out and 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 said something, but this is not a this is again <laughs> Michael passing it to Steve Kerr is racist. I, I mean it, it's it's really sad to really see like the worry like words like that. Just being over, just being overly used. If that's the case, Scotty, well then, um, should Chuck Daly have been your head coach when you were representing Team USA? If that's the case, how come you didn't get Phil Jackson fired after he didn't give you the ball? This is again, this is all for promotion about his book. He has a book coming up. George Carl said this this said not like Scotty, but he said some things about Mello, Kenya Martin, J.R. Smith, how they didn't have father figures in their life, X, Y, and Z. This is all just to get sales. But this is all again once of us in barbershops to talk about this kind of stuff. Scotty Pippen wants his attention. He wants us to talk about it. Now he's got everybody talking. It's ridiculous. Now I'm gonna play it for his take, and, and I'm gonna play the clip, and I'll leave this, and I'll leave the other one in the description. You ought to see the Dan Patrick show clip. All of these years later, 20, 27 years later, Phil Jackson's a racist. The same Phil Jackson that coached you, that coached MJ, that coached guys like Bill Cartwright and 
BJ Armstrong and others, and Stacey King and all these guys. Stacey King and the coach. Everybody about Stacey King. Michael. Shout out to Stacey King, y'all. And Kobe Bryant. Each and every single player at some point in time or another had issues with Phil Jackson. Kobe Bryant was on the record saying, yo, man, he likes to coach through the media sometimes. It annoyed the hell out of Kobe. I always felt he betrayed Kobe when he came, when Phil Jackson came out with his book talking about how difficult it was to coach Kobe Bryant. But I would never, ever think to call Phil Jackson a racist. And I don't know any player, I repeat, any player, who happens to be black that played for Phil Jackson that would call him a racist. And for Scottie Pippen to do something like that is just inexcusable. It really, really is. It's low. It's really, really low. 27 years later, if the man was a racist, why are we just hearing this from you after all these years? Why now? I have a theory on that, Stephen A. I don't want to hear Max. With all due respect, I don't want to hear him. But I mean, I mean Stephen A, round the, the head. I want to know what Michael Jordan feels. I want to know how Michael. Jo- I want to know how Michael Jordan feels. Ron Harper, Stacey King, Bill Cartwright. I'll, I'll even say um, Robert Parrish. I think Robert Parrish is on one of those teams. Got a ring. Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman. I want to hear it from them. I want to hear from them. Okay, Scotty. Scotty said Phil Jackson is a racist. Where's your stance on that? Now, you know, behind closed doors, they're probably saying, bro, what the hell are you talking about? But this is the same Scott. But Scotty Pippen, whether y'all want to like it or not, he's burning bridges. He's burning bridges with, with pretty much everyone he knows. Scotty Pippen still got beef with Chuck. I mean, like, they about to be in their 60s. And we still got beef. I mean, young, grown men still at his age. Like, this is where, again, like, this is what I'm saying, man. Like, I, guys like that have don't I don't I don't have I don't have time for. I have no respect. And at the end of the day, Scottie Pippen has got to hold the L on this one. I think that's I think that's ridiculous. I think that was be like Steve. I think that's just plain ignorant. I, I think it's look. I think it's straight up ignorant for you to now come out like Stephen A. said years later after you won six championships. Now all of a sudden, well, I played for a racist. Bullshit. Bullshit. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. Our last topic for the night. We're going to talk about Shaq responding to LeBron James' comments. Um, if you remember. I did a, I talked about this where LeBron was kind of tweeting about the season and how, you know, everyone, but he last basically saying that, you know, the league rushed the the season. No one listens to me. Uh, I just want to protect the well-being of the players. 
I didn't want this. We didn't want that. Um, you know, and, and, and basically this kind of came out like, you know, guys, you know, I, and this, again, I understand the Lakers came off, you know, when the bubble had the, the, the least days off, we had like 72 and different things like that. But I, I never heard. And, and again, it's all optics. It's all and, and LeBron. I told you, I, I like certain things with LeBron bothers me. And this was one of them. So, I mean, he basically came out and was like, and, and, and like, it sucks that no one listened to me. I just wanted, I'm just tired of seeing these guys injured. Had they listened to me, had they probably taken away a few more uh, games, had we started later or sooner, I would have been okay. The biggest issue with LeBron's comments was this. We can all, and we can all agree to disagree on this. COVID will affect players and owners. Owners lost money because of COVID. Players, when they become free agents and are looking to get that big payday, may lose a few bucks. So the league is going to do everything in its power to recoup lost revenue. Last time I checked, and, and, and I may have selective amnesia, there's something called a players association. If you don't agree on something, why not speak up? You seem to go along with it. Me personally, I would have liked to have seen them start after Christmas. But let's play the video with Shaq. That's not sharing. Here we go. A while that um, juggernauts have been gone. So, you know, uh, hope in a perfect world, I would like to see Atlanta versus Phoenix. Two small market teams that will probably won't have the opportunity in the next 20 years to win. I'd like to see them go at it. Second scenario. Phoenix versus Milwaukee. We've got one big juggernaut left in Giannis against an old uh, aging Hall of Famer in Chris Paul. That would be another good scenario. But look, may the best team win. You know, a lot of guys were out with injury and all that, but that's the way the cookie could crumble sometimes. We're living in a world where people, 440 million people has been laid off, and I'm making 200 million. You won't get no complaining from me. Hey, if I got to play back to 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 back, and I'm making all that money, I just got to do what the job entitles me to do. I'm not knocking what anybody said, but me personally, I don't, I don't complain or make excuses because real people like you who really work your tail off, you don't make as much money as we do. And all we got to do is train two hours a day and then play a game two hours a night, and we make a lot of money. So. My thought process is a little different. I'm not a gamer, but my children are gamers. Uh, so I mean, basically, I like he he was you know, saying, you know, I, I he didn't he didn't particularly call LeBron out on that one, but I feel like he's basically saying, listen, guy, you know, 
injuries come up, they're part of the game and, and things happen. And for you to come out, I mean, let's, let, 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 let's, let's, let's call it what it is, y'all. If LeBron James was in the NBA finals, would he have said that? Of course not. But I, I think that for, And again, I, I understand with, with with Shaq. Shaq is an old school, you know, he comes from a different different generation. You know, this is the type of generation where if you don't give these players what they want and what they need, you know, they start feeling some type of way. You know, these are player-driven leagues. Y'all have the power to to make these necessary changes if you feel so. But you didn't seem to complain about it last year when you were in the bubble and you won the championship. But because you got bounced up to me, you get bounced out by the Phoenix Suns, you sound like a bag of sour grapes. So I just think personally, I just think that I had the wrong wrong battle. I apologize. I just think for Shaq to respond, I, it, we already have responded to it. But when Shaq came into it, okay, we got to talk about it. But I understood his point. There are people that have lost jobs, still trying to find jobs, struggling to pay bills, and X, Y, all this. Meanwhile, here's a guy who's arguably one of the best basketball players in the game crying about, I just wanted to protect our players. But you didn't seem to protect them last year in the bubble. You were one of the guys that started that were like, no, let's go home and let's go protest. You didn't seem to protect the players back in 2010 with the lockout. You got to learn how to pick and choose your battles. So um, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Shaq wasn't wrong. Like I said, I'll leave those links in the description for y'all to see. But um, yeah, man. So with that being said, um, let me take this opportunity. I want to wish each and every one of you a safe and happy 4th of July. Um, I know we may all celebrate Independence Day differently. Um, you know, I know, like, I got to do a video on Juneteenth, um, but I did one many ago back in June, uh, what Juneteenth means to me. Um you know, I'm just really honestly, I'm excited for the weekend personally. It's like it's been a long week. Um, and I hope you guys, you know, do something fun. You know, just be safe. Don't, don't shoot off any, you know, illegal fireworks. You know, you know if you're going to go see fireworks, you know, you know, wear the mask, socially distant. You know, uh, you know, I, I, even though I understand everybody is ready, you know, to me, it kind of seems like I'll just say this here um, in Maryland. I, I, I feel like we're all kind of going back to the norm. Kind of just seems like things are starting to open up just a bit too fast, in my opinion. And. Like, we still should be careful. Um, because this, unfortunately, this COVID is no joke. 
you know, I had a friend, she recently tested positive for it. Um, you know, it, it just, you just never know. And we got, we have to be, we have to protect ourselves and we have to be mindful of those that we're around because I'm telling you, man, this stuff's no joke. And especially with this new variant going around that, that's that's got the UK shut down, it's got Australia shut down. My thoughts and prayers are with them. You know, we gotta take this serious, y'all. Um, we really do. I I, I get it, you know, after being in the house for over a year, you know, I wanna get back out there and you know, go 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 to a, a sporting event, go to a bar, maybe a concert. You know, just get out here and just do things before pre-coronavirus. But I'm still mindful that this that this is real. This is a reality, and I think you know we have to be mindful of that. So, uh, with that being said, I just want to wish you guys a happy Fourth. Again, stay safe. Um, enjoy. It. Stay hydrated. Um, you know, I know it's, it's, but I know it was like a heat wave or, you know, heat wave. It's not kind of cooled off. So again, y'all let me know y'all, you know, y'all thoughts on today's video. This is episode nine. Um, this is the middle. This is basic. This was the, the main on course of episode nine. So like, it's like a full, this is like the main part, but the next part you're going to see is, is going to be. Um, what happens in game six with the Bucks, and then I'm going to revisit the WNBA. So, with that being said, have a good weekend. You will see the video from me Saturday night at the most, if not Sunday. So, with that being said, this again, this will go up on Spotify. Google Podcasts, a couple other websites. Um, my username, uh, if you just go on Spotify to say Big Nate Talk Podcast, you will see it. Uh, definitely consider subscribing to that. But if you want to see more content like this, leave your thoughts and comments, suggestions in the comments below. Hit that thumbs up. Consider hitting that subscribe button along with notification bells on. With that being said, I'm out. Peace.